forevermore endure the saints and angels song. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, your love is so rich and pure. And it does endure. It endures all things, Lord God. I just uh, thank you for today. I, I thank you for uh, everyone that's in this room, Lord. I hope that everyone that has walked through those doors uh, understands that they are here for a reason. And Lord, I just ask that um, this time that we have together will honor you, will glorify you, and I ask it in your son's holy name. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. All right, you guys can be seated. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Mercy Hill regulars. Good morning, guests. I see some new faces out there. I also see some faces that I don't see all the time, but you guys are here, which is pretty awesome, too. Welcome. Um, we are glad to have you here and worship God with us, um, both in song and then here as we dive into the Word. Just really quick, brief introduction for those of you that I don't know and haven't had a chance to meet. Uh, my name is Brad Frakowski. I'm one of the pastoral interns uh, here at Mercy Hill, and I get the the honor and the blessing to, to get to present the Word of God to you today. Um, for those of you who have been um, attending regularly or following along with the podcasts or even the YouTube videos that we have going on nowadays, um, you'll know that we've been kind of working our way through the book of Romans. And uh, we're, we're wrapping up fast um, and kind of moving along. We're, we are in chapter 15 today. So if you do have your Bibles with you or if you use an electronic device, however it is that you follow along, if you want to open up that uh, source to Romans 15, and we're going to be looking at verses 14 through 16. Romans 15, 14 through 16. We'll go ahead and read it. <clears throat> I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points I've written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Let's pray once more. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you draw near to us in this way, that you allow us to get to know you by, by reading about you, by just drawing into your word. Lord, I ask that eyes will be open and ears will be open to the message today that, that, again, you will be glorified and honored. And I ask it in your son's holy name and Jesus' holy name, I pray. Amen. So as I mentioned before, we're kind of coming to the end of Paul's letter here to the Romans. And one thing that makes this entire letter unique is that Paul was writing to a group of Christians. He was writing to a church that he himself had not established, which was, was rare. Typically when he was writing an epistle, it was to a church that he had established. But even more so, it was even one that he had never visited, so he had never been there. However, Paul had established quite the reputation as, a, as an apostle of Christ. And as we'll read within the next couple of weeks, he had some intimate relationships with many of the individuals at the Roman church. But the question that still may arise would be, why did Paul write such an extensive letter to the church in Rome? 
he begins to tell us here why he did just that. But before he does, he continues to compliment the Roman church as he had begun to do way back in chapter 1 of the letter, if you can remember back that far. If you remember at the beginning of Paul's letter, he wrote, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. In our text today, we see the markers of the faith that would cause Paul to make such a statement. In verse 14, Paul writes, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. These characteristics of the Roman church are indicative of a church shaped by the gospel. So we're going to dive into each one of these individually. Paul first writes that they are full of goodness. The Greek word for goodness used here is agathosune. Agathosune. It means that the church was characterized and known by their upstanding moral and ethical behavior, their kindness, their thoughtfulness, their charity, etc. When Paul writes that they were full of goodness, he does, a, he does not just mean random acts of kindness, but that they were consistently kind. They were marked by it. This virtue stands in direct opposition to the unrighteous man described in chapter 3 of the letter. When Paul quotes Psalm 14 and 53, he says, None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. So how is it that Paul here can write that the Roman church was full of goodness? The answer is, and can only be, the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ and the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit. I think I would be negligent in my duties here as a preacher if I didn't quote my son. Um, many of you know my son. He's two and a half years old. Uh, he typically runs around here after service, and you can see him acting a fool. Um, and, but just to say that I'm, I'm going to quote him um, probably seems odd. Um, but he and his mom have, have greatly humbled me uh, recently and have also made me very proud. Uh, because Jenna has taught my son, Naz, um, she's taught him the fruits of the Spirit. And he can, frankly, recite them better than I can. And he will recite them to you if he's in the mood to. So if you want to ask him, he may, he may give you what the fruits of the Spirit are. So the fruits of the Spirit are found in Galatians 5.22 through 25. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Paul says, against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh in its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Paul continues to compliment the Roman church when he writes that they are filled with all knowledge. But what kind of knowledge is he referring to? 
Paul is not referring to some general intellectual knowledge, but more so he is referring to the specific intellectual understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The type of knowledge that will result in the goodness that he just mentioned. He is referring to the mind-transforming knowledge that we discussed back in chapter 12 of this letter. That he discussed and we discussed. The type of knowledge that motivates us to no longer conform to the world around us but instead encourage us to test and discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect, a knowledge that can only be acquired and influenced through the gospel itself and ultimately by the Holy Spirit who lives or resides within every Christian. The third and last compliment that Paul gives the Roman church here is that they are able to instruct one another. And just as being full of goodness relates to being filled with all knowledge, being full of goodness and filled with all knowledge also relates to being able to instruct one another. Two words that require a bit of fleshing out here for us to fully grasp what Paul is saying are the words that are translated as able and instruct. The word translated as able may also be translated as competent. And it carries with it the idea of being powerful effective, capable. The word translated here as instruct may also be translated as admonish or to correct, also to advise or to warn. So what Paul is saying is that the members of the Roman church were competent, powerful, effective, and capable to instruct, admonish, correct, advise, and to warn one another. I appreciate the way in which Bill Mounts sum summarizes this section of our text in the New American Commentary on Romans. He writes, Although Paul had never visited or ministered to the Christian congregation in Rome, he was confident that they were a healthy church. Morally, they were full of goodness. Intellectually, they were complete in knowledge. And functionally, they were competent to instruct one another. He quotes C.B. Williams, who says that those in the Roman church were competent to counsel. The believers in Rome were expected to help one another toward spiritual maturity. They were to advise and instruct one another. None were so wise that they had nothing more to learn, and none were so inept that they had nothing of value to share. Paul had high praise for the Roman church. Their faith was proclaimed in all the world because the gospel of Jesus Christ had taken hold of a people. A spirit-filled people were living in Christ-like community. They did not desire to tear one another down, but rather to build each other up. They desired to help each other, to encourage one another, to grow in faith, to grow in Christ, to be further sanctified. Their individual and collective fo focus was upon Christ. And so they encouraged one another to move forward in the Christian life. Do we desire this for one another? Do we want to see our brothers and sisters sitting around us today in this room advance in their Christian life? And Dr. James, or I'm sorry, do we desire... Back, step, step, do we desire this for one another? 
And Dr. James Montgomery Boyce's Romans commentary, he asked similar probing questions. He asked, do we love the Lord enough to talk about him naturally and often? Do we love others enough to bring spiritual truths into our daily conversations? Do we care for our Christian brothers or sisters enough to point them in the right direction when we see that they are deviating from or falling short of it? Do we sometimes talk about difficult things with one another, though kindly? If we can answer these questions affirmatively, we should thank God because he's doing a work within us. But if we cannot, then we should pray that God would so move within us that we would desire to build one another up in faith. And we should all desire that our church be characterized as the Romans church was, full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. If Paul believed that the ministry of the gospel had been so well received in Rome, why did he decide to write such a lengthy, in-depth letter to the church? He tells us why within the next few verses of our text. In verses 15 and 16, Paul writes, On some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Here, Paul tells us that there are two reasons why he wrote this letter to the Romans. The first reason was, a way, was as a way of reminder. We just covered how Paul held the Roman church in such high esteem. However, he believed it important to remind them of many of the doctrines or core beliefs of our Christian faith. He believed it to be so important that he wrote in a way that he himself described as very boldly. Paul had identified himself earlier in the letter as an apostle to the Gentiles. And the duties of an apostle often included not only an original presentation of the gospel, but also reminding churches of the original message that they received and calling them back to it. Reminding followers of Christ of the spiritual truths that drew them into relationship with the Lord in the first place. In this case, Paul had reminded the Romans, and he reminds us, that the gospel is the power of God for salvation. That the righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. That because we are all sinners, we are only justified by God's grace as a gift to the redemption that is in Christ Jesus that sin no longer has dominion over us because we are under grace. That we are being conformed to the image of God's Son. That nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved that faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. That by the mercies of God, we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our spiritual worship. 
And Paul reminds the Romans and us about many, many other truths in his letter. We should learn from his example and make a habit of reminding our brothers and sisters of God's truth as well. The second reason that Paul wrote the letter is because of the grace given him by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God. So that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Paul was a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. And while he had not been the one to establish the church in Rome, the church did consist of both Jewish and Gentile converts. Therefore, Paul's ministry would have extended into Rome. Paul uses interesting imagery here when describing his ministry of Christ to the Gentiles as he alludes to Jewish sacrificial worship when animals would be offered up for various reasons. However, here, Paul is speaking about a spiritual offering up of the Gentiles who he was seeing saved through his preaching of the gospel. He preached a complete, thorough gospel message as reflected in this letter to the Romans, so that the Gentile converts may be an acceptable offering, and that they would further become an acceptable offering as the Holy Spirit sanctified or made them holy. Paul's priestly ministry of offering up the Gentiles does reflect Jewish sacrifice as an act of worship, because his ministry began with his own worship of God. His worship then led him to witness to others who he offered up to God as they would acknowledge Christ as their Lord and Savior. Although Paul's ministry to the Gentiles was specifically unique to him, this pattern he followed applies to all followers of Christ. When we begin to truly worship God, we should be driven to share the gospel message. And when we share Christ with, and when those we share Christ with acknowledge him as their Lord and Savior, we offer them to him. Then God willing, they will do the same. Nate, you can come on up. As Matt discussed in the opening, he was talking about the Christmas season is quickly coming upon us. We just had Thanksgiving and Black Friday and I guess Cyber Monday is coming up, all those critical days, I guess. So many would say the Christmas season is already here. Let me just take this time to encourage you all to not lose sight about what our faith is all about. To be a church, like the church in Rome, a people so infatuated with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that people would say of our church, they're full of goodness. They're filled with all knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. And they are willing and able to instruct, admonish, or to simply encourage one another. That we would remind one another of the truths that are contained in these scriptures, in the very word of God. And that our worship of him would result in sharing who he is with others. And then being able to offer those who have accepted the offer up as a brother or sister, as a living sacrifice to our God. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, again, I just 
thank you for today. I thank you, Lord, of these characteristics that the Roman church was known for. I, Lord, I long, and I know that so many people long for a church where we can have that type of genuine fellowship with one another, that we are known by it. Lord, that we will be known by it. There are so many truths in your word. I mentioned a few of them earlier. And Lord, I, I think we often take for granted that we actually talked about this in the prayer meeting this morning, that we have this text, that we have your Bible, that we have the word of God that's so easily accessible, that we have all of these other resources that help us to have the insight of what this book what the Word of God says. Lord, that we will be a people of your Word. That it will be reflected in our fellowship with one another. That we won't just listen to a message like this and walk out the door and say, yep, there was another message. No. That it will have long-lasting impact. That we will love one another as we are called to do. As a reflection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who came, took on flesh as a little infant child. We're getting ready to celebrate that. He lived a life flawless, sinless, and he died on a cross for us. so that we may be justified, so that we may one day stand before God clean, not because of anything we did, but because of what he did. Lord, let us keep at the forefront of our sight as these holiday events and things start to surround us. That it's your son. It's your son that gives us thanksgiving. It's your son who we worship. And if we get the, the chance to bring you into someone's life and get to see them come to you, that we will offer them up to you. Lord God, I just ask that you will be with everyone today as they leave here, that you will protect them as they drive from here to there. Lord God, that they will speak your name amongst each other. And Lord, I just ask it in your son's holy name, in Jesus Christ's holy name.